Welcome to another podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. You can find out more about CGI Burlington on our website at cgiburlington.org. Deacon Jan, come forward and present part two of What Happens When You Die. Good afternoon, everyone. As you heard, we are in the process of the series, What Happened When You Die? And I was hoping that I could finish this today, but the subject is just too vast, and I want to jump from one side to the other side. So we'll see. Maybe hopefully we have a part three next week, God willing. So what happened when you die? You know, I know that for many of us, the answer is very simple. Nothing. Just going to sleep. That's it. But if we travel around the globe and ask and answer the same questions, many different people, what happened when you die? You will get many different answers. It depends what part of the globe you will ask the question. Even though, you know, there are so many different religions, you will get so many different answers. If, let's say, ask people in Japan what happened when you die, we'll get a different answer if you ask people in North America what happened when you die. And even in Asia itself, what people believe in Japan will be different than what people believe in India. And then what people believe in Europe will be different than what people believe in North America. So it all depends where you live. all depends what kind of religion you were brought into while you came into this world. And depends on your family traditions, on your upbringing. So as I said, what happened when you die? As Pastor Mori said last week that, you know, there are so many different religions across this world. So many different ones. Even though there are so much different, differ from each other in so many different kinds of beliefs. All these religions across the globe have one thing in common. One thread that runs through the, all these different religious systems. And this one common thread is this. When you die, you're actually not dead. There is either part of you that goes somewhere else or is transformed into a different life or you have part in you that is immortal, that lives forever. But they all believe that there is something happening that, you know, when you're actually, when you die, you're not really dying. That there is a part inside you that goes on to the next stage. But if you're a Christian, if you really want to know the answer, then the only book that can give you the answer to the question is the Bible. There's nothing else in this world that can give you a true answer, what happened when you really die. It's in the Bible. And as Pastor Murray mentioned last week, all of this started in Genesis chapter 3. If you just want to refresh your memory, you can turn there to Genesis chapter 3 if you want, quickly. Genesis chapter 3, in all started the Garden of Eden, in, in the Garden of Eden, and in verse 4 here, Genesis chapter 3, in verse 4, then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely 
die. And all these religions today that exist in this world proclaim the same lie over and over again. You will not surely die. You never die. Your physical body will die. But your soul, either in mortal soul or whatever you might believe, just go on to the next stage or to the next to the next life. So what I want to talk today, I want to spend a little bit of my time and just want to talk about the resurrection. Because the Bible never ever mentioned some things like immortal soul. If you find anywhere in the Bible, from the book of Genesis to the Revelation, if you find anywhere a statement that it says that you have immortal soul that never dies, please let me know. But there's no such a thing mentioned in the Bible. So I'll talk, we'll talk about the resurrection. Spend some time and talk about the resurrection. Let's go to the First Thessalonians chapter 4 here first. As was read to us by Sister Caitlin today. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Just from this one verse or this few verses alone here from Paul, we can learn so many things. First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13. Paul is right here writing to Thessalonians and he says right there in, in verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't, know, I don't want you to be kind of a people running around and not having answer to what happened to the people that died. I want to provide you with the information so you will be never confused. So you will know the answer to the questions, what happened when you die. Why? Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. We don't have, our hope is not in something like immortal soul. Our hope is in the resurrection. Verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who have fallen, who, who, who sleep in Jesus. Who sleep in Jesus. You may think like sleep. That's what the other way to describe death in the Bible. Death equals sleep. It's just they're on the same level. And when you go to bed, when you fall asleep, when you enter deep sleep, how aware you are, what's happening around you. Do you pay attention what's the temperature outside, if it's cloudy or if it's raining? Do you remember what was your conversations at work this day? Or maybe, you know, you're watching some news on TV or something else or some show. When you fall into deep sleep, how aware you are of anything that is happening around you? Not much. That's what that is. That's what happens when people fall asleep. And especially when they're a believer. Let's keep reading here. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. Paul is not saying this is my words. No, he says this is coming from the Lord. That we, we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means proceed those who are asleep. So something first is going to happen to people who fall asleep, who are in Christ, who are believers in Christ. They're going to be the first one. Verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, 
with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And as this thing happened first, as this thing happened first, the dead people who died in Christ that are still in their graves. And the dead in Christ will rise first. The dead in Christ will rise first when at his coming. Verse 17. Then we who are alive and remain, not everybody will be dead when Christ will come. But then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. And therefore, because of this beautiful words here that Apostle, Apostle Paul get from, get from Jesus Christ, he says, Therefore, comfort one another with this word. Comfort one another with this word. And here at the bottom of verse 17, it also says that, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. It's not like we are with the Lord. Oh, they are with the Lord. All the dead and the people who are alive at that time when Jesus Christ will come, you know this, is a future tense. Shall be. Shall be with the Lord. They are not right now, but they shall be when, when Jesus Christ comes back. And Jesus Christ didn't come back. So what it means? That people who died in Christ, that are still in their graves. We still have to wait for the trumpets to sound and for Jesus Christ to come. It's still a long way to go. Not just the one scripture or just few verses from just the one letter of, here of Paul. That just, you know, just God says, don't be ignorant about this subject. Don't be un- uninformed about, about this subject. It's right here. Where does it say in here between the verses that Paul mentions or forgot to mention something like, you know, don't worry. Your immortal soul is in with the Lord. But, you know, when the Lord's going to come, you're just going to receive your body. Where does it say that? This concept of immortal soul is just strange to the Bible. And we talk about this a little bit later when it comes. It's just that the only one portion of the scriptures are mentioned this thing. No, there's more to that. First Corinthians chapter 15. As we heard a little bit from last week. First Corinthians chapter 15. And if you have a paper Bible, just put a piece of paper there, a marker. Because we'll go further and back, but we'll come back many times to the first Corinthians 15. Let's look at a few verses here in 1 Corinthians 15. Let's start at verse 20. 1 Corinthians 15. And look at verse 20. But now, as of right now, Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who what? Have fallen asleep. You see the same term. So he's the first one. He's the first fruits. So anybody, anybody who tells you that, for example, Moses is in heaven or Elijah is in heaven, then Christ is not the first one who came from the dead. Make sense? He's the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. He's the first one, and he is the only one for now. 
Look at verse 21 and 22. For since by man came death, but men also came the resurrection of the dead. Nothing says here anything about the immortal of your soul. Resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ, even so in Christ all shall be. Future tense. Not that something happened in the past. Not that something happened when you died. Not that something happened to your loved one that died 5, 10, 20, 100, 200 years ago. All shall be made alive. And here, I want you to pay attention here as you read through it because there is something important. First from the dead and first fruit. Because as you go through the Bible, you will see it. And you know, as I mentioned, anybody who tells you that somebody, that somebody beat Christ to be the first resurrected is a liar. And it's impossible to square up with the Bible. It's impossible to square it up with the Bible. Either Christ is first, or Elijah is first, or Moses is first, or somebody other individual is first. We have to be very, very careful. Hold your place here. Let's go to Revelation. And we covered the scriptures today in the youth study, but there is something important that was mentioned there. The book of Revelation, chapter 1. Book of Revelation, chapter 1. And let's just start from verse 4. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before him, before his throne. Verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead. There we go. Again. The firstborn from the dead. So, one more time. Is there anyone who was before Christ, who was born from the dead, like Christ. No, because the Bible never mentioned it. Go to Romans chapter 8. I'm just going to give you a few scriptures here to sink into your mind. The first from the dead. The first from the dead. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and just, just break into the context, just one verse, 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed, to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the first among many brethren. I know it doesn't say the first from the dead, but it's applied the same thing. He might be the first, the first, the first. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, and let's pick it up here in verse 15. Same concept. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or, or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. 
in verse 17. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. We see it again. He is the first one to be born from the dead, or the first one to be really, really resurrected from the physical life and transformed to the spiritual life. Never ever something like that happened before in history. And never ever something like that will happen till Jesus Christ comes again. That's why the resurrections of the story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is such an important, vital subject for Christians to believe, as he said. If we don't believe in the resurrection, then our hope is useless. We don't have we don't have any hope at all. Nowhere Nowhere the Bible says that, you know, we have the hope in immortality of our souls. That when we die, we just go and fly to heaven. So Christ is first in everything. First in time, first from raising from the dead, first in preeminence and in everything. Just go back to 1 Corinthians 15. So whatever happened to Jesus Christ, as much as this experience was unique, and it's still unique, because as I mentioned, the miracle like that, one of the, not one of the, this is the greatest miracle that ever happened on this universe, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As much as this one miracle was so unique, it's not going to end for Jesus Christ alone. It's not going to end there. There is more to come. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And look at verse 23. Let's continue there. But each one, as we finish in verse 22, so in Christ all shall be made alive, verse 22, 23, but each one is his own order. Christ, the first fruits, afterwards, those who are in Christ at his coming, there we go again. People who are believers in Christ, they will be resurrected when? Right now? No. At his coming, when he's going to come, that's where the resurrection is going to happen. Verse 24, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. That's just a little summary. What is going to happen in the future for all the Christians, for everybody, as a matter of fact, not just for Christians. So as I mentioned, this resurrection, as much as was unique, the greatest miracle that ever happened, and many more miracles like that happen, exactly whatever happened to Jesus Christ will happen to all the believers and everybody else. Now, we can go and talk about the subject of resurrection. It's just sprinkled throughout the New Testament all over the game. But I was working on my message. I was thinking like, just exactly as the Corinthians were asking the questions of Paul. You know, we live in a 21st century, and we are so influenced by the Greek philosophy. You know, the separations from the spiritual thing and the physical thing. That's where it came from. That's where we have this immortal soul that you just can't wait the day that our body will die. And this poor 
you know, soul that is in prison in us will just float to God eventually, right? That was the Greek philosophy. That was all about. But it's something like that is not in the Bible. It's never ever mentioned in the Bible. There is no such thing as separation of something spiritual and physical and all those things. Souls and body is not in the Bible. So what I want to do, I just want to show you now for this segment of time. I want to talk about the resurrected body. How they will look like. How they will feel like. What they, they will be like. So that's a subject that here in Corinthians, actually the Corinthians asked ask Paul about the same thing. About our resurrected body. So I'll give you a few points. You might agree, you might disagree. We can talk about it later. Just to think that I could find it, I will try to provide you some scriptures to support my belief. If you're making a note, I will try to slow it down a little bit. But let's, let's read a verse first. Let's go to verse 35. Just get the concept first, the biblical concept. 1 Corinthians 15, let's look at verse 35. Right? Someone would say, obviously, is written to Corinth, Corinth, and Corinth, most, most people that lived there were Greek, influenced by the, their own religion and philosophy, right? But someone will say, especially Greek will say, like, wow, I just can't wait till I die and my soul goes to God, to be present with God. So they'll be ask all these questions. How are the dead raised up? And with, and with what body do they come? How are they going to be raised up? What body do they come? And in verse 36, Paul says, foolish one. Not because they ask questions like that, but foolish one because they don't believe in resurrection. They believe in the immortality of the soul. Foolish one. What you sow is not made alive unless it dies. Look around you in the nature. If you live on a farm, whatever you plant, if you put it in the ground, this thing needs to die first before, it's producing, before it will produce something more beautiful, right? This concept is all over in nature. All over. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a but God but, but God gives it a body as He pleases, and to each seed its own body. Verse thirty-nine: All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another of fish, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory. And look at verse 42. All this thing that we just read from verse 35 to this point to 42. In verse 42, Paul says, so also. What so also? All these things that he mentioned, he said, so also is the resurrection of the dead. Exactly the same process, right? So also, as you know, as you're watching, as you're observing the nature, he says, so also is the resurrection of the dead. How? The body is sown in corruption, it's raised in corruption. And, you know, I'll give you some point about the resurrected body, what I could find, is what, I can, what I could think of. I think I have about six, seven or something, points like that. And point number one. Our resurrection's body will be the same, but different. And you think, like, what John is trying to pull here? Give me a little time to explain. Our resurrection, resurrection body will be the same, but different. 
Think about it. Whatever we read in Corinthians. Our resurrected bodies will be of the same nature as our current bodies. When you plant a bean, you don't get a core, right? When you put a, when you put a apple seed, you don't get an orange tree. So I think that we'll be kind of the same essence who we are right now. The only thing, the only thing, my second point, how it will be different. Because we'll be superior. Our resurrected body will be superior to the body that we have right now. Think again about the apple seed. Just take one little tiny apple seed. When you put it in the ground, this one poor apple seed needs to die in the ground. But over the time, I will bring a beautiful plant that will start growing. And you give it a few decades, it will become a powerful, powerful tree that will produce hundreds of hundreds of apples. So you see, the seed and the tree are of the same essence, right? Can't be any different. They're on the same essence. But the tree, apple tree, is more superior and is different than just the seed alone. So I think the same thing will happen to our body. It will be of the same essence, but our resurrected body will be more glorious, will be more powerful, whatever, whoever we are right now. Does that make sense? A little bit? Okay, let's move on. Second point. And we all know that. It's all in the scripture. Our resurrected bodies will be patterned after Christ. Whatever we read, whatever happened to Christ, we know exactly the same thing will happen to us. We are here in Corinthians. Let's look at verse 45. Chapter 15 and verse 45. And so it's written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. And afterward, the spiritual. The first man was not of earth. The first man was of earth, made of dust. And the second man is the Lord from heaven. So we'll have the same pattern. What happened to Jesus Christ will have exactly the same, the same pattern. Philippians chapter 3. You can still hold your place here in Corinthians 15. but Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. One of another Paul's writing here in verse chapter chapter 3 and verse 20. And verse 21. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, talking Paul about a little bit timing. We're not going to heaven. We're waiting for Jesus Christ that he will come back from heaven. Verse 21. Who will transform our lowly, lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. We eagerly wait for Jesus Christ to come because we want to be just exactly as he is. And this also is a promise in the Bible. First John chapter 3. 
1 John chapter 3. And just look here at verse 2. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, who? Jesus Christ. When he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. When? When he comes back. We will be like him. He will transform our lowly body to be in the same image as is his body. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, and let's start from verse 8. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also, we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, that no longer, longer has dominion over him. So again, it will be exactly like our Lord Jesus Christ. And which brings me to the next point, that our resurrected body will be incapable of dying. Our resurrected body will be incapable, incapable of dying. Not anymore. That only once. And that's it. will be subject to that only once. After that, if we're in Christ, we'll live forever through Jesus Christ. John chapter 14. Just one verse here. John chapter 14. John chapter 14 and just one verse, verse 19. A little while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. Because I live, you will live also. When I came back. If you're going to have this beautiful body, incapable of dying, my next point our resurrection body will be also incapable of pain or tears. As of right now, we are subject to some of us, some of us go through horrible pain. Sister Sheila can testify when you come after surgery, there is a pain, especially when you have an infection or something that is going on in your body. It's very painful. There are many Many people who suffer in this world because of torture, because of the abuse, for what they believe, what they stand for. Many people go hungry. Many people cry. Horrible things happen to them, to their families, to their loved ones. Pain is all over the place. Even here in Canada, as, as much as we like to be here, as much as we love 
this life, but you know, pain is all over around us. People are dying all over the place. People suffer. If you think the world is so nice and so beautiful, just walk into ne nearby hospital. Just walk by the floor and you will see it. That pain is all over the place. Look at Revelation chapter 21, 4. Revelation 21, 4. From the day we are born, there is something programmed into us. That as soon as we're born, we actually technically die. It's just a matter of time. Some babies die prematurely. Some people left up to the age of 20s, 15, 50, 60, 70. But we are all programmed as soon as we are born that our life is limited. We all, we all going to die. It's just a matter of time. When? We all going to die. Revelation chapter 21. And you know where I'm going to go with this. Verse 4. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. What a beautiful thing one day will happen. And I know it's so difficult for us to imagine something like that. When we, in this shelf, physical shelf that, you know, we expose to all these elements that are around us. It's very difficult to have this vision of immortal bodies that one day will share with Jesus Christ. Point number, next point. don't remember what point number it is, but the next one. Our bodies will be real bodies and will be rec recognizable to others. It's not just about some informal structure of substance flowing in the air in the matter that we describe as a soul. We actually will have a real real spiritual body and a body that people recognize you. Your family members will recognize you who you are. Your neighbors will know who you are. Your co-workers will recognize you who you are. Every single one will know who you are. Let's go to Luke chapter 24. And there are many, many scriptures. I'm just going to just pick a few here and there. Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, and let's start from verse 36. Now as they say these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. That's happened after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed, and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why, and, and why do you doubt? Doubts arise in your heart. Verse 39. Behold, behold, my hands, my feet, that it is I myself, handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you, as you see I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. But while they still did not believe, believe for joy and marvel, he said to them, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb. And he took it and ate in their presence after Jesus was resurrected in his new body. And will be just exactly the same thing as Jesus Christ was. He was recognizable to the disciples. He didn't have a brand new body that nobody knew who he was. Next point. Our resurrected bodies 
will have extra dimensional qualities. Just think about it. Extra dimensional qualities. Jesus had the ability to just be at this place and in a split second appear and a split second disappear and go somewhere else. We'll have the same ability as Jesus Christ had. Look at verse, look chapter 24. We're in the same chapter here. Just look at verse 30. Verse 30. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him. And he vanished from, they, from their sight. Just like that. They knew it, and he just vanished from there. As they were sitting and looking at each other, and talking together, and suddenly Jesus Christ just disappeared. John chapter 20. John chapter 20. John chapter 20 and verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first of weeks when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Doors were shut. And in the midst of them, here appears Jesus Christ. Peace to you. Go from one place to the other in a matter of split second. Appear and disappear in a matter of a split second. We'll have the same quality. Now, my next point. And I was really thinking, actually, this idea came a long time ago, I think from Brother Ray. And I was a little bit skeptical when he mentioned it, but when I was really thinking this week about it, it actually makes sense that our resurrected body will be in the prime time of life, of our life. And let me tell you, I don't have any scriptures to give you. you can, you're welcome to disagree with me, but Jesus died and he was resurrected at the age of 30 or so. And he was very recognizable to the to disciples. Why? Because the way how he looked like, because that was his prime age. When Adam and Eve were made in the garden, God didn't make them as little babies. And he didn't make them as grandma and grandpa. So that he made them in the prime of life. What's the prime of life? I don't know. Maybe 30, maybe 25, maybe 26. But it's just going to give us a little bit idea here that if we're going to be like Jesus Christ, maybe we will be resurrected at prime of life. And my next point Please also, if you don't want to disagree with me, you can. But our resurrected body will be able to retain our racial identity. And I have some scriptures for that. Our racial identity. Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. And in verse 9, Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. 
and they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seal. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe. See, we shall go here, right? Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and made us kings and priests to our God. We shall reign on the earth. So that's why I think that we'll be able to identify people by by the race, by the language. And also this is supported in Revelation chapter 7 here. Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9. Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9 where it says, After these things I looked and behold a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, people, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. So as you can see it, if you don't agree with me, you're welcome to disagree. But maybe it is possible that we'll see all these people, that the way how God created us in a physical sense, we're going to experience the same thing when we all be resurrected and have our new bodies. My last point, and I know you're going to like it, and you know, probably not going to disagree with me. Our resurrected body will be a glorious body, right? We mentioned this before. I don't think anybody will disagree with that. And, you know, I can give you just a few examples what happened. What happened to the mortal bodies when you come with the experience with something supernatural like that. Uh, let's go to the book of Acts, chapter 9. And let's see what happened, well, how people react when they experience something like that. Like in case of Paul here, when he was converted, when Christ actually spoke to him. Acts, chapter 9. And in verse 3, just break into the context, you know what happened. Paul was traveling, then suddenly he was blind, right? In verse 3, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And first reactions when people come to, to contact with something special, right? Supernatural. Then, the, then he fell to the ground, and hear a voice saying, he fell to the ground immediately, because he was shocked. He never seen anything like him in his life before. He just fell to the ground just like Moses. And, you know, I can also show you, like, Revelations 1 and verse 17. You can just write it down. You don't have to go there. Revelation 1, 17. Exactly the same thing happened to John when Christ was speaking to him. He, had, he, he just fell on his knees because he was shocked what he just experienced. So we all, we all should be looking forward to this day that we'll have these different bodies. There will be such a glorious body will be able to accomplish so many things, just like Jesus Christ. So as, you know, as I, you can read the Bible from the beginning to the end, and you'll notice that this concept of immortal soul is nowhere in the Bible. You can't find it. But it's everything about resurrection. Everything is about resurrection, and everything is about having a new body. Having a new body, resurrected. The resurrected body. Now, the last concept that I want to touch today, before I go. You know, I came from Poland. And when you go on a Polish cemetery, it's uh, way different than Canadian cemetery. 
I've never seen a Polish cemetery that you can walk on the grass and see somebody just a little plaque there, the name of the person, and the, day, the way how they died and all this stuff, right? Poland, they have beautiful cemetery. The whole family will be buried there. We'll have a nice, beautiful inscriptions, but unfortunately, son of the inscription are so young. You will see like a baby, one week old. And you'll see on a grave inscription, God wanted to take his child away because he loved him. And you know all different things. This person passed away or died in an accident because God wanted to take this person away. It is so, it's just so no biblical, right? So the last concept that they want to bring, and just think, think just for a moment, is that a friend that was bring to this earth by God. Think about it. Because all the Christians will say, that is good. Because once you die, you're present with the Lord. Hallelujah. That is great. That is the same as salvation in many Christian circles. I want you to think about it. This is serious. That equals salvation. Is that true? Is that a friend to us or that is an enemy to us? Because if that is a friend to us, then what's the point of resurrection? What is the point of resurrection if that is a friend to us? If you die, who cares? If you die, you die. You go to heaven. You're with the Lord right away. Why would God bring you back to earth and give you a new body when you're already in heaven? Just think about it for a second. It's, it's a serious stuff here. 1 Corinthians 15. First Corinthians 15. Again, there is the Greek concept. That is good for you. Once your physical body is dead, it's opened the door of your prison to your soul. That is, that is finally reunited with God. This is a Greek concept. This is not a Christian concept. This is not a biblical concept. 1 Corinthians 15. Look at verse 26. The last enemy. At the end of all of this. Verse 26. The last enemy that will be destroyed is what? Death. Is that a friend to Christian? It's something that there should be glory because we're dying? No. It's something that we should be waiting like, ah, you know, how many people, you know, like, oh, I just can't wait till I die. Oh, I'll be with the Lord. People are like that. That's our wrong concept, brethren. That is an enemy. And eventually, that's why Christ came to to this earth that eventually that will be conquered. And we have the example. Exactly example what happened to Jesus Christ will follow through exactly the same steps. Whatever happened to him will happen to us. Hebrew chapter 2. Hebrew chapter 2. Verse 
Hebrew chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Inasmuch then, as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise sharing the same. But the difference, that through death he may destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Again, who is the author of death? Is God? Is God sent us dead that he's, you know, in his mercy? Who is the author of death? Satan the devil. Not God. Satan the devil. John chapter 8. In many conversations that Jesus Christ had with his physical brothers. In many times in his disagreement with them. This is what he said here in verse chapter 8 and verse 44. John chapter 8 and verse 44. Or start verse 43. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. Why? Because you are... Because because you are of your father, the devil, and the desire of your father, and the desire of your father you want to do. He was a murderer. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and a father of it. Where did the death came from? Came from God? Came from Satan the devil. And, you know, as we go through all this process, through this process of salvation, you know, I don't have time to explain all the steps, all these processes, and all God's holidays and stuff, what they mean. I don't have time to do this just today, but we all know that God is in the process, process to return everything back as the same would happen to Adam and Eve in the garden before we sin. Reverse this negative process of death and Satan and deception. He's actually making it better. He's on his way. He made a promise that eventually that will be conquered. I will be victorious. Just the same way as, God, as, our, as our elder brother, Jesus Christ. So, there is so much to say, as, you know, as, I, as I mentioned. There is so much to say. The subject of what happened when you die is such a fast subject. But I have to finish here because I can go on and go on. But in conclusion, just when you ever come into conversation with somebody, right? What have you learned today? You see, all, all these religions today that exist, every single one of them, they have one thread in common. They all believe that when you die, you're not really dying. You see it? Where is this thing came from? Run from Genesis, from the beginning, from the first lie that Satan showed out there at people. And it's affecting, the same lie is affecting people today, no matter where they live, no matter what religion they practice, it's still affecting them today, till this day. Now, when you think about Christ, the first from the dead, just think about it. If someone wants to show you a scripture, that you know, oh, somebody was taken to God is in heaven right now. Really? 
You see, if you understand the flow of the Bible and you understand this concept, the first from the dead, you'll say, this is impossible. Because if this guy is first, that means the Bible is lying and Jesus Christ is not the first. So simple. You don't have to go to all these little one scriptures here and there and there and say, oh, you see what happened. Oh, but there was a guy who called a spirit who brought Samuel from the dead. Really? Was Samuel really brought from the dead? Why not? Because who is the first one? Jesus Christ. Anyone, even who died after Christ died. Anyone who was, who was believer after Christ's death. Are they resurrected already? Why not? What does the scripture say? What do we have to wait for? For the second coming of Christ. It's so simple and yet so many people have a, such a hard time to understand it. Is this whole message is about having immortal soul in us? No. This whole message of the Bible, the part of the good news of the coming kingdom of God is about what? Having a supernatural, glorious, everlasting body to be in the same image of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it is all about. And in the end, brethren, just remember, death is not a friend of God. Not at all. That is an enemy. Don't rush to die. But don't be afraid of that either, because we have hope. Our hope is greater than all the other religions combined. Greater than all the other religions combined. And let me conclude, brethren, with these two more scriptures and we're done. 1 Thessalonians 4.17. One more time. 1 Thessalonians 4. First Thessalonians 4 and just one more time, verse 18. Because we know all these things, because we know all this truth, because we fully understand all of these things. Verse 18, what Paul is writing there. Therefore, therefore of what? Read verse 17 again. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in air and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Always. We shall always be with the Lord. Because of this beautiful thing that's going to happen one day. Verse 18. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another with these words. It's not like, oh, my poor brother died. God be with him. Don't worry. He's, he's in heaven now and he's watching all of us here. He's so happy just to see the way how we now drink at his party and all this stuff. Just think about it. That's what he, that's the Bible says what we should comfort one another with. No. Comfort one another with these words that we shall meet him. We shall be like him. 1 Corinthians 15. And we end there. Why we, should, why we shall comfort one another with these things. Why? 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58. Don't be in a rush to die. Don't be in a rush to finish this race. But be with Christ. Work for Him. Do whatever you can. Do your best. 1 Corinthians 15. Let's conclude here in verse 58. Therefore, Therefore, my beloved, at the end of this chapter, chapter is all dedicated to the resurrection. Therefore, my beloved, brethren, 
because of all of this thing that we learn about all this thing about the resurrection, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Not other thing, not other hobby, not what we like to do in the work of the Lord. Why? Knowing that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. Why? Because the resurrection is coming. This has been a podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. We hope you are blessed by it. To find out more about CGI Burlington, visit our website at cgiburlington.org.